want you to turn with me to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37. And um, we're going to go back. We started this a few weeks ago. And I really uh, have felt that I wasn't quite finished with it. And who knows? Who knows uh, if I'll finish today or not? But we'll see what happens. Ezekiel chapter 37. And we will begin with verse number 1, Ezekiel 37, and verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones, and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, And lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? What a question. If I could could put it in my own terminology, the question was, is there any hope? Is this the way it's always going to be? Or is it possible that there can be a transformation. Can these bones live? And Ezekiel gave an answer to God that really was non-committal. He really didn't commit one way or the other. He said, and I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. That's the best I can do today. (laughs) When I look at the situation, when I examine it from my carnal perspective and I see a bunch of dry, scattered bones, I don't see a lot of hope. But Ezekiel obviously remembered to whom it was he was speaking. And as long as God is involved, there's always hope. I'm talking to somebody today It doesn't matter what your situation looks like. It doesn't matter what your situation feels like. It doesn't matter what circumstances are saying to you right now. I want to tell you, God is on the scene today. And God can take the most hopeless situation. And turn it around. Oh Lord, I feel like preaching this morning and I had not even got through my text yet. Hallelujah. And look, let me just tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you today. It wasn't because they were worthy wasn't because they were good enough for God to do it. So that's what the devil always tells people. Yeah, but you know, I could see God helping somebody else, but you don't know me, preacher. You don't know what's going on in my life. I'm here to tell you it doesn't matter whether I know you or your circumstances. I know God. And look, these bones represented the nation of Israel that was totally backslidden, 
had rejected God and found themselves in captivity. And in spite of that situation, Ezekiel said, when I look at it, I don't know. But I, when I look to you, I know if you want to do this, God, everything can change. Well, hallelujah. Oh, Lord God, thou knowest. And so, it is, it appears that God then, without really giving a direct answer and saying, okay, Ezekiel, let me tell you, he instead just began to write out a prescription for the illness. And here's what he said, verse four. Again, he said unto me, prophesy or preach. Prophesy unto these bones and say unto them, Oh, ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I know you're standing today, but I got to do what I'm feeling. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, this was, this was the first test to find out whether they could live or not. God said, you start preaching, Ezekiel, and we're going to see what happens. If they'll hear the word of the Lord, then the next step will begin to take place. But if they're not willing to hear the word of the Lord, then no, there is no hope. So I'm here to tell you today, whatever situation you brought with you, if you'll just hear the word of the Lord. God can speak to the dry bones of your situation. That's the way the word of God works. He stepped out into the balcony of time when there was nothing and he said, let there be and there was. When the word of God went forth, it changed everything. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, help me, Jesus. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta calm down, save my voice till I actually start preaching. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <clears throat> So again, he said unto me, prophesy upon these bones and said to them, oh, you dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones. Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will lay sinews upon you and will bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you. And you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. Verse 7. Ezekiel said, so I prophesied or I preached as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a shaking and the bones came together bone to his bone <clears throat> now look the Lord's moving and I don't want to kill it 
but I do want to say to those listening online, it's time for you to come together with the rest of the bones. If you're sick, you're, you're, you're working and can't help it, that's one thing. But if you're just staying home listening, it's time for you to come together with the rest of the bones and let God do something. wasn't enough for the preacher just to preach and then lay there and listen to him preach. Sat in their lazy boy with their big gulp. I guess that kind of dates me. That Probably, probably most of you don't even know what a big gulp is. But, uh, I don't know, what is it, a Route 44 or a, uh, extra large or what? I don't know, whatever, but you know, they could hear Ezekiel preach, but it wasn't going to change anything. Well, I'm ahead of myself, but there had to be some response. They had to do something. The bones came together, bone to his bone, verse 8. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above. But there was no breath in them. And so then, verse 9, he said unto me, prophesy. So you've been preaching, Ezekiel, and you're seeing some change. But you're not finished, and the work's not done. So the same thing that started this process of transformation is what it's going to take to continue and complete the transformation. It was preaching that brought the bones together. And it's going to be preaching that causes them to start breathing. Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe up, up, breathe upon the slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army well hallelujah what a story what a story amen and more than a story a vision from God and a word for all of us now again I call your attention to verse 1 where the Bible says that the spirit of the Lord carried Ezekiel out to a particular place and notice where it all happened. He set me down in the midst of the valley. As much as we hate the valley sometimes, as much as we don't like having to go down into a valley, I'm going to tell you the valley is where the victory took place. And it might just be that the valley you're in is not to make you feel sad and forgotten and forsaken and alone. But just maybe God set you down in that valley because he's about to turn things around for you. Oh, hallelujah. 
Amen. Would you put your Bibles down and pray? Let's ask God to help us today. I need God's touch. As you can tell, I'm struggling with my voice today, but I need the help of God. If you would pray for me, I would appreciate it. Let's pray together right now, everybody. And let's ask God especially to speak to those who need the Holy Ghost, that God would fill them today. Let's pray together. Let's praise God together. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. And so I guess we'll call this part three of this uh, installment of lessons slash messages, the Valley of Victory. I don't really know that the last time was much of part two. We kind of got off into other things and I didn't touch much of my notes when we got into that, but maybe it was 1A. I don't know what it was. Praise God. Sometimes I feel that way when I get through preaching regardless. I don't know what that was, but but anyhow, I hope it helped somebody. Amen. <clears throat> We're going to try to get back into it today, but I'm already, as you can tell, feeling some things And I'm going to just let the Holy Ghost have its way here. Now, for those who did not hear part one and or part two, let me just give you uh, as brief of a uh, review as I can. I started actually three weeks ago and uh, taught for two weeks. And then we took uh, last week uh, as our special Thanksgiving service and went a totally different direction. But when I began this, I really thought it was just uh, a one one Sunday message. I thought that's where we were going to be. Uh, the Lord had other plans, and that's always fine with me when he does that. But, but in that lesson where uh, I began, I reminded the church that just a little over a year ago, we were indeed in the valley. It was a very dark valley for us. Our services were bound. We went months without anyone receiving the Holy Ghost and couldn't even seem to get a visitor to come. And we struggled and we fought. Amen. And I talked about that and I talked about the process that began to change. But what I really wanted to focus on and want to focus on again today uh, was that uh, it, it was out of that valley that the Lord has brought us now into a time of great victory, a time that has really only just begun. We haven't yet seen the half of what God is going to do. I'm telling you there are seeds that have been planted that are starting to sprout and God is starting to do something. You can feel it in the atmosphere when you walk into the building. God's in the process of turning some dry bones into a mighty army. Hallelujah. God is in the process of changing things. And he started that process in the midst of 
a valley. I pointed out uh, in that first lesson that rather than resenting the valley, we need to see it as a time of restoration. For the, for the psalmist said that it was in the valley, amen, when he walked through that valley that the Lord restored his soul. Praise God. Amen. And that's the way we need to see when we get into a valley. Now I picked up on that thought then the following week and as I said didn't get very far in my notes but uh, I did draw some points uh, from my notes uh, that I had intended to use in my closing and instead it kind of became the main message and I'll probably go back and pick up on those again today because they're relevant to what I'm feeling for today. Amen. But uh, I want to I want to talk to us today about this season of revival that we are now in a revival that sprang from a deep dark valley. I, I want to talk about how that happens and about what causes it, uh, what will cause it to continue. Praise God. Amen. As I said, the valley is not uh, a bad experience. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, even if God orders those steps into the valley. God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing. And I'm going to tell you, unfortunately, there are times that we blame the devil for things that God actually did. There's times God is the one who allows us to go into the fire. God is the one who allows us to find ourselves in the, in the lion's den. It's not the devil that's doing it, but God's got a plan. He's going to show his glory out of the midst of those problems. God is working something for our good. Well, hallelujah. Too many times we whine and cry and beg God, get us out of this. I don't want to go through this. And yet it is exactly what we need at that time in our life. Amen. No wonder James said we should count it all joy when we fall into diverse temptations. Count it all joy. Yeah, that's not getting very many amens because we don't like that. But we have to count it all joy. The good times, the bad times. The easy times, the rough times. The rich times, the poor times. The healthy times, the sick times. The times when we've got a crowd of friends and the times when we feel all alone. I'm telling you, we got to learn to count it all joy. And understand God is working it for our good. Now in the midst of that valley, God brought about a change and turned those dry, scattered bones into a great and mighty army. But as I pointed out to you for uh, the first two lessons, I've mentioned it and, and I'm going to touch on it again. But, but you know, Brother Mace, God could have very easily just spoken and, and caused those bones to come together and come to life. God didn't have to have anybody else, but that's not the way God works. God did not bring about a transformation until he sent them a preacher. Well, praise God. 
And I know that there are those out there who say, well, I can live for God on my own. I don't need the church. I don't need anybody else. I'm here to tell you, my friend, that's not biblical. You do need the church and you do need a preacher. And I'm here to tell you, it's for the perfecting of the saints that God gave us the ministry. It's for our perfecting. And you'll never be perfected. You'll never be what God wants you to be without the influence of the ministry in your life. It's just not going to happen. You cannot be perfected without a preacher. In fact, you can't be saved without a preacher. And I've, I, I, I don't have time to rebuild all of these cases, but I've dealt with it. Go back. It's all available. You can find the lessons uh, they're not on the website yet, but they are about to be. All right, they're about to be. And so you can go back and find those lessons and see where I backed it up with scripture. Amen. Uh, listen, one of the reasons why a preacher is so necessary in your life is because God allows the preacher to see the, his congregation exactly as they are, not as they see themselves. You'll notice that when God set Ezekiel down in that valley, the next thing he did was he caused him to pass by them round about. And when Ezekiel passed by, the first thing that came out of his lips is there were very many and they were very dry. God saw, God showed him exactly what they were. And Ezekiel was not instructed to get up and preach to them, you wonderful bunch of people, you great group. Oh, you're just great the way you are. But God said, Tell them, Ezekiel, exactly what they are. Tell them their condition. Lay it out before them. We're going to find out just how badly they want to live. Do they want to remain dry bones or do they want to see a change? Well, if they're going to see a change, a preacher's going to have to preach to them to the point that they're willing to admit, I'm nothing but dry bones. I'm not going to make it the way I am. I've got to have some help. Hallelujah. Amen. God sets the preacher as a watchman on the wall, giving him a perspective that the others don't have. There's a vantage point from the top of the wall that those within the city will never be able to see. Amen. Now, as Ezekiel looked at it, and as I pointed out, it appeared on the surface to be a hopeless situation. It appeared on the surface that nothing good could come out of this. They had been in that condition for a long time. For them to be very dry, these were not freshly slain corpses. They'd been dead for a long, long time. Amen. And there just didn't seem to be a lot of hope. But nothing is hopeless when God is in control. And so in order to cure this crisis, the man of God was not to pull any punches. He was commanded to preach the truth, no matter how harsh it sounded. Amen. And I'm telling you, that's exactly what started bringing us out of that valley, what started turning things for us. Thank God he sent a man of God our way who preached the truth. Sometimes folks didn't like what he had to say. Sometimes he got just 
way too close to where they were living. Sometimes even pointing them out by name. But I'm going to tell you the thing about it was he preached the truth, but he did it in love. And when you do that, you can't beat that combination. And something started to change. People began to realize, yes, we're in a slump. Oh, I've been this way for too long. I got to do something about where I'm at. I've got to change what's going on. I can't keep living the way I'm living. It was because God sent a man of God our way. And I'm here to tell you that if we're going to continue you see in revival you're just gonna have to get used to having that kind of preaching those that have been around here for a while know I don't mind doing it but to the newcomers uh, let me just warn you it's not always going to be roses around here but there's going to be times uh, that the spirit of the Lord uh, is going to come on this preacher and I'm going to have to call uh, amen your situation exactly as you as I see it uh, amen in the Holy Ghost it may not be the way you see it but if God sees it that way then that's the way it is and you're going to have to open your heart and you're going to have to receive with meekness the engrafted word that's able to save your soul well praise God amen amen, amen. hallelujah and so you can just get ready get ready Hallelujah. We're not going to let you get comfortable and slip back into the old ruts and the old routines. We're not going to let you get comfortable. Thank you, Brother Mays, for talking about the power of pre-service prayer. I know, and I'll just be honest, that was one of the biggest slumps we fell into was just getting to church and going through the motions before church started. Now, I'm thankful for what's been going on around here in pre-service prayer for the last few months. I'm going to tell you, this is what's got to continue to happen. We got to make up our minds. We're not going back to what we once were. God's done too much. God has changed things too much. We're not giving in, amen, to that spirit. We're not going to just lay back and let things be comfortable. We're going to press our way through. Hallelujah. Amen. So all of that I've talked about in previous lessons. But now let me, let me tell you what else is going to have to happen in this process. Let's go to Ezekiel 37. Now, verses 5 and 6. And in fact, you may want to just leave your Bible open to Ezekiel 37. we got other scriptures we're going to read, but, but this is going to be the basis uh, of what we're talking about here today. Ezekiel 37, verses 5 and 6. Read for me, Brother Goff. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring upon flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. Now, in these two verses, Ezekiel preached to the people everything that was going to happen through the end of this passage. He laid it out in just two verses. Here's what you can expect to take place. God gave the man of God a vision of what was to come. And it was the, the job of that preacher to lay that vision out. Now remember, at this moment, there's been no change. 
At this moment, they're all still dry, dead bones. But the preacher got up and said, this is what God said is going to happen. This is what God says is about to take place. I'm going to put breath in you, he said. You're going to live. I'm going to put sinews on you. I'm going to put flesh on you. I'm going to cover you with skin. I'm going to put breath in you. You shall live. Well, hallelujah. The preacher said, this is my vision. This is what God's shown me. I know it doesn't look that way right now. I know it looks dry and it looks scattered. Amen. But this is what God has said is going to take place in the midst of this valley. And I'm going to tell you something had to happen in those bones that they quit seeing themselves at that moment as what they'd always been. And they started seeing what the preacher saw. They had to realize, hey, it is going to change it doesn't matter what it looks like right now it doesn't matter what it feels like right now it doesn't matter what i'm going through right now god's given the man of god a vision and what he has seen is gonna come to pass I'm preaching truth, church. I'm doing my best today to tell you I don't care what you see right now. I don't care, amen, about empty spots right now. I know what God has shown me. And what I need is somebody to get a vision and see it like I'm seeing it. Somebody to understand this is not where it's going to end. It's not always going to be dry bones. It's not always going to be scattered skeletons oh Jesus hallelujah hallelujah I'm telling you I'm telling you, part of what put us in the rut we were in is that we started looking at what had been and what hadn't been. And too many of us said, well, it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet. And so we started believing every lie the devil put our way. But I'm telling you, somehow we got to get a fresh vision again and say, oh, no, Lord, we haven't forgotten. We're not giving up. We've seen a little bit, but we haven't seen the fullness of what you're going to do. I know there's more yet to come. Oh, hallelujah. Proverbs 29, 19 says this. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. That's an interesting verse. Because most of the time, we just look at the first half of that. But if you'll look at that, that's all one sentence. And so we can't really delete the last half. We can't throw away the last part of that. And really, we really start understanding what's meant when we look at the last half of that. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, if that's all it said, then you could have your vision and he could have his vision and she could have her vision and we all got a vision. But it's not... It's not about everybody having their own individual vision. 
That's why he continues on by saying, he that keepeth the law. Well, who is going to declare the law? The same one that's going to declare the vision. You know, I found it to be interesting. I can step into a church and preach on unity and have everybody on their feet. Amen. Everybody agrees we need unity. But the problem is, to most people, unity is you got to see things my way. Well, you're not going to sit down on me now, are you? Hallelujah. That's the way some people define unity. As long as everybody sees things my way, we'll all have unity. But it's not about us each having our own way and convincing the rest of the church, amen, to get on board with us. But it's when God sends a man, God gives that man a vision, and then it's your obligation to forget your own vision and catch the vision of the one that's laying down the law, the one that's laying out what it is that God expects. And if you do that you'll be happy well hallelujah and so as I lay out my vision and I've been doing my best to make my vision clear to you in fact that's one of the reasons why and I have people ask about that board out there in the sign why out there in the foyer why you keep that out there big old church and, and look look you don't need you don't need a new building you know you don't need that I'm saying not yet we don't but I know what God told me I know what God said to me and I can tell you this this building's not going to hold what God showed me he's going to do in this city so you know why that stays out there so every time you walk in the door you're reminded this is not the way things are going to be this is not the end this is not the last chapter of our story there's something taking place there's a transformation that's there is a transformation that is happening in the spirit Woo. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You got to catch this vision. You got to quit looking at the way things have always been and even the way things are and start seeing them the way God has declared that they will be. Oh, hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 11 and 1 tells us how to do that, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. Be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now, I could spend a lot of time right here, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to, or we'll have a part four for this message. And I'm trying to get to the end today. Uh, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. It's an interesting thing to go back into the original language and see what exactly Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. Because it's often quoted, follow me as I follow Christ. Obviously, that's not exactly the way the scripture's written. Uh, and in fact, it wasn't written in English, believe it or not. Um, as much as I love the King James Bible, as much as I do my best to to uh, always stick to that. It may come as a surprise to some of you that uh, Peter 
and John and Paul didn't use the King James. I know that may be a real shock to some of you. But they didn't. They sure didn't use the NIV, I can tell you that. No, they, they didn't speak English. Uh, and Paul didn't write this in English. He wrote it in Greek. And when you look at the original, you might be surprised at what Paul actually said. He said, be my imitators as I am of Christ. Imitate me. Now there's a difference between following and imitating. There's a big difference. You can follow someone and not imitate them at all. You go in the same direction they're going. But you're not acting like they're acting. And when you imitate someone, Brother Nelson, stand up, give us a big, huge, how, how do you do that? Huge. <laughs> you know, there, there's a difference between following and imitating. Right? When you imitate someone, you, you start taking on their inflections. You take on their gestures. Well, hallelujah. You want to try to convince others that you're as much like that person as you can be. And Paul said, that's what I'm doing when it comes to Christ. I'm not just following Christ. I'm imitating him. I am trying to, to, to do everything he did exactly the way he did it. And he said, now, your obligation is to be an imitator of me in the same way that I am being an imitator of Christ. Well, hallelujah. So here's what I'm saying to you, saints of God. I'm telling you, I'm telling you that what you've got to do is somehow you've got to catch my vision. Somehow you got to get beyond, well, that's what my pastor preaches. And let it become, that's what I believe. Well, that's what our church teaches. No, no, that's the way I choose to live. I'm imitating someone. I'm trying to be as much like them as I can. Isn't it an amazing thing? Isn't it an amazing thing that children early on, amen, they, they start trying to get into daddy's shoes or mama's shoes. They, they want to try to act like daddy and act like mama. And it seems to me that I read somewhere where Jesus said, except you become as children. Children have got somebody they're imitating. 
Well, I could spend a lot of time here. I'm, I, I, this is what I said. I, if I'm not careful, we'll have a part four as well because I could spend a lot of time here. And I remember years ago when I was teaching in Christian school, we had a young lady. We caught her. I think she was cheating or something. And uh, so we took her into the office for some discipline. And uh, when we got through, we said, now I want you to pray. And so she kind of looked at me. and She was probably 11, 12 years old, I guess. And I said, I want you to pray. And so she looked at me and she just kind of bowed her head and she said, oh, Jesus, I love you. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I said, no, no, pray. Oh, Jesus, I love you. I love you. Jesus, I love you. And, and the more that I tried to encourage her to pray, the more I realized she was raised in a supposedly apostolic home. She didn't know how to pray. And you want to know why? You want to know why she prayed that way? Because most likely that's all she ever heard mom and daddy do. She was imitating what she'd seen. Well, hallelujah. Well, praise God. Lord, help me today. I I don't want this to be self-serving or self-aggrandizing. That's not my goal. But I just want to say this to you, church. In the day that you see me come in to to pre-service prayer and, and just wander around and not say anything and not lift my voice, then that's the day that you need to be doing that. In the day that you see me just bury my face and just whisper a prayer to God, that's the day you needed to be doing that. But until then, I'm, I'm charging you today, be ye followers of me. Get in here and make pre-service prayer as important to you as it is to me. Make worship during the service as important to you as it is to me. Make backing up the preacher as important to you as it is to me. You gotta get this vision. You gotta get this vision. You gotta see things from this perspective. And I'm going to tell you, many of you have. And that's why we've gotten to the place we've gotten to. That's why we're seeing things turn around. But I'm just here to tell you, don't stop now. Just because the evangelist has been gone for about a month doesn't mean it's time to let down our guard and slip back into the way we were before. No, no, no. He wasn't our example. He was a helper. He was a great helper. But he's not the man God sent here to be an example for us. I'm talking about we got to see something happen in this valley. I'm thankful for what we have seen, but we haven't seen enough. Now, let me show you. I I referred to this earlier and realized I was getting way too far ahead of myself. I really don't have long, so I got to hurry through this, but let's go on. We read Ezekiel 37, verses 5 and 6. Now let's go on to verse 7. Amen. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. Yeah, I love this. I absolutely love this. This has been one of my go-to passages many, many times, especially in Africa when I'm teaching them about what it means to be truly apostolic. I'm going to tell you, amen, here's what happened. The preacher preached what God told him to preach. 
But that in and of itself did not bring about a change. You know, we often talk about the miracles Paul saw. We talk about the many people Paul prayed through, that Paul baptized. We talk about that. But listen, there's plenty of places where Paul went and preached and they threw him out of town. Same preacher. Same message. So just the preaching was not enough. You know what made the difference from one city to the next? It was how they received it when the preacher preached. Well, come on now. I'm telling you, something's got to happen. As the hearers start to respond, that's when lives start to change. As I prophesied, there was a noise. It wasn't just the preacher yelling into a microphone, but there was a noise out there among the congregation. There was something going on out there among the people. Listen to me. This is not to, I'm not trying to get you to respond so I can pat myself on the back. I'm trying to get you to respond so God can take your dry bones and make you what he wants you to be. There's got to be a response. This is what the apostle said. I, I believe it was Paul. And if you believe somebody else wrote Hebrews, you have every right to your opinion even though it is wrong Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2 for unto us was the gospel unto preached unto us was the gospel preached as well as, as, unto, well as them, unto them but the word but preached the did word not profit preached them did not profit them not being mixed because with faith because it wasn't mixed with faith in them that in heard them it. that heard it i'm telling you it's not enough to just hear the preacher preach but something's got to be stirred up in your heart and as the preacher preaches there's got to be a response you've got to let god know i believe this i'm signing on to this i agree with this this is my heartbeat god i'm right there with the preacher god Preaching, as powerful as it is, will not profit us until we mix it with faith. And you know how I can tell if you're mixing it with faith? It's demonstrated in your response. Worship that comes as the preacher is preaching is not about building up the man. It's about building up your faith. You know, I, I used to when I was young and foolish, and now I'm just old and foolish. But when I was young and foolish, I used to get up and say, I'm not preaching for your response. Well, I've had to change. I am 100% preaching for your response. Because if you don't respond, I'm wasting my time preaching. At least as far as you're concerned. I didn't waste my time. Uh, as far as God's concerned and doing the job he called me to do but as far as you're concerned if there's no response then the preaching's doing you no good did you know that the same God that commands a preacher to preach commanded the people to say amen Deuteronomy 27 now I could read I could read all the way down through verse 26 and you'd see the same thing but I'm just going to give you a few examples 
Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So I'm not going to bore you with going all the way through verse 26, but let's read verses 15 through 18. Deuteronomy 27, verses 15 through 18. Cursed be the man that maketh any graven or molten image, an abomination unto the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsman, and putteth it in a secret place. Now that's the sermon that God gave the preacher. And he said, here's what I want you to preach. I want you to get them and preach against idolatry. And let them know the curse of God's on them if they practice idolatry. But God wasn't finished with his instructions just because he gave the sermon to the preacher. Read on. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. And the same Lord who gave the preacher the sermon gave the people the response he wanted from them. Now look, I'm not, I'm not, trying, to, I'm not trying to nitpick, but, but I do want you to pay attention to the fact that he did not say, and all the people shall nod their head. But all the people shall what? Shall say. Amen. Read verse 16. God gives the preacher another sermon. Cursed be he that setteth light by his father or his mother. All right, he said, if you don't respect your mama and your daddy, you're cursed of God. That's the sermon. But God's not finished. Read. And all the people and shall all say. all the people. Amen. All the people. This is just as much Bible as Acts 2.38. All the people shall say amen. All right, read. Cursed be he that removeth his neighbor's landmark. Uh-huh. And all the people you, shall say you, you go amen. In, start, you go in and you refuse to respect those around you and the boundaries they've set in their life. You're getting the curse of God on you. Now that's the sermon. But God said, now I'm not through with you people. I got something for you to say now. And what was it? And all, all the, people the people shall say, shall amen. say amen. How much further do we need to go? Let's try one more. Verse 18. Cursed be he that maketh the blind to wander out of the way. Uh -huh. And all the and people, all the shall, people say, shall say amen. Now I'm telling you, we go on down, as I said, all the way through verse 26. And you'll see it exactly like this. God gives the preacher a message and he gives the people a response. Now look, you don't want me to just step up to this pulpit and say, well, I didn't get a sermon today, so we're all just going, well, maybe some of you might want me to. <clears throat> but you shouldn't want me just to come in here today and say, I don't have any message for you today. I, I didn't study and I didn't pray, so I, you know, I'm not going to try to preach. We're all just going to go home today and we'll, we'll try again another service. You wouldn't want me to do that. You expect me to get a word from God. And deliver that word from God to you. Do you know God has delivered a word of God for you to deliver to me? And if you want me to preach, then you need to do what God has commanded you to do. Oh yeah, I'm telling you there's something about it when there's a real connection that goes on between the pulpit and the pew when there is a genuine, amen, return an anointing that flows in that moment that is unequaled, it's unparalleled there's nothing like it when the people and the preacher are working in 
messages. They're, they're not making funny eyes at the baby, but everybody is listening to the preacher, and everybody has got their heart beating with his heart. Amen. They are preaching along with him. I'm telling you, something happens in that moment that cannot be experienced in any other way. Oh, God, help me today. Hallelujah. Uh, come here, honey. Yeah, you're the only honey I got. She said, me? Now, I know, I'm sure none of you have ever experienced this, but I want you to give me a hug. Any of you ever get that? Any of you know what it's like when you're trying to show someone some affection and they just stand in there limp and uncaring and they don't participate? Do you know that's exactly what's happening in a service when a preacher's preaching his heart out and you're just sitting there? I'm telling you, that's exactly what's happening. For this thing to work, there's got to be a reciprocation. Something's got to come from your side as well. It's not, oh, Jesus, help me today. It's not just about me, but we're in this together. We're working together. We're trying to accomplish something together. When the preacher and the people get together and that harmony starts to flow, I'm telling you, that's when conviction falls. That's when people receive the Holy Ghost. That's when miracles happen. Oh, Jesus, come on, let's praise him again. Let's praise him. Hallelujah. God, I'm sorry for every time I've sat in a service, amen, and just gone limp, amen, when you're trying to reach for my heart, when you're trying, God, to do something in my life, I'm sorry, God, for the times I've let my mind wander. Now, I know, I know not everybody can run the aisles and not everybody can stomp and jump. But everybody can participate in some way. Ah, uh, yes, 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 yes. 
I'm, I'm wrestling, I'm wrestling. I know, I know, I know, I know. We got young people in here. I want to try to be as discreet as I can. But look, let's not forget, amen, that the Bible talks about adding souls to the church as the church ha- giving birth to babies. There's got to be a relationship that goes on for the birth to take place. And I'm going to tell you, that's what happens when the man of God gets under an anointing and the people get under an anointing. That's when that relationship begins to take place. The Bible calls the word of God, God's seed. I'm telling you, that's when, amen, the church begins to be with child and people are born into the kingdom. It's when there is that back and forth between the pulpit and the pew. Oh, the Holy Ghost is in this house today. Oh, my God, my God, my God. Oh, come on, let's praise him. I don't care if I don't get any farther today. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Hallelujah. 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 Mm. listen in that moment you're not embracing the man you're embracing the truth you're falling in love with the truth that's what's happening and God said if they don't receive a love of the truth uh, God's going to send a strong delusion I want to tell you when the word goes forth uh, I don't want to be guilty amen of just giving God a cold shoulder I don't want to be guilty of giving the truth a cold shoulder I want to embrace the truth uh, when it's being declared I don't care who's preaching it I don't care how old or how young if it's the truth uh, I want to embrace it with everything I've got Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, help me, Jesus. I didn't get very far. Oh, Lord. I still got so far to go. I got so far to go. Amen. But let me just let me just throw something out there here real quick. And we did this. We ended up doing this two weeks ago. And we jumped to the end and used some scriptures that I had in the end. And I guess I'm going to do it again right now. It's because that's what I feel like doing. 
Amen. I, I just want to say this. Amen. That as the people began to respond, when they responded, and we'll, uh, Lord willing, we'll come back again another week and, 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 and we'll talk some more about uh, some things that happened, some things that transpired. Uh, there, there was not only a noise and a shaking, uh, but there were other things that transpired in that place. But I do want to focus on this whole shaking that took place. Amen. I'm going to tell you that when that happened. Amen. When they began to respond to the preaching it was then that God said to the preacher I want you to prophesy now to the wind. Let the wind blow. Let the spirit begin to fill that valley. Amen. It's time now to expect the spirit of God to come in and do what man cannot do. My words can't change a life. My sermons can't transform a soul, but the Spirit of God can make the difference. And I'm here to tell you today that the Spirit is blowing into this house right now. And if you're here without the power of the Holy Ghost, God wants to change your life. My Lord, my Lord. And I know I'll have to come back and say this again. I don't mind and I don't apologize. But listen, for everything that God did to those bones, for every change that took place until the Spirit came, until the Spirit blew into their life, they were nothing more than corpses. And I'm here to tell you, amen, that you're really not living until you've been born of the Spirit. You're really not living until the Holy Ghost has come to inhabit your heart. You need the power of the Holy Ghost. It's the only thing that's going to change you. It's the only thing that's going to transform you. It's the only thing that's going to give you peace. It's the only thing that's going to put your life back together. It's the only thing that's going to put your home back together. You need the Spirit to blow into your life today. Let's stand. Hallelujah. And the final thing, the final thing that changed them, they looked the part of an army. But without the Spirit, they weren't going to win any battles. They weren't going to do any good. They weren't going to accomplish anything without the power of the Spirit. God waited on their response. But when they responded, God said to the preacher, now's the time. Preach to the wind and let the wind blow upon the slain. And it was then that they stood up upon their feet an exceeding great army. I'm here to tell you, that's what you need in your life. That's the missing piece. It's not religion. 
It's not joining a church. That's not what's going to change you. You can join every church in Kansas City and it's not going to change you. You can be at this church every time the doors are open and that's not going to change you if you don't get the power of the Spirit in your life. That's the only thing that can turn dry bones into a dread battalion. It's the Spirit of God. And I'm preaching to some folks today that are here without the presence of God in your life. I don't know. Amen. Some of you may have had it in the past. Some of you may have never experienced it. But I just want to tell you, whatever the case is, you need it now. You need it now like you've never needed it before. And God is here and he's ready to give it to you if you want it. This altar is open right now. If you want God to come and fill you, amen, why don't you make that first step? Why don't you show your response today by coming to the altar and saying, God, forgive me of my sins. Have mercy upon my soul and fill me with your spirit. Come on, come on, come on. You're not going to be happy until you get the Holy Ghost. You're not going to be satisfied until you're full of the Holy Ghost. It's the only thing that can really change you. Oh, let's pray, saints. Let's pray, let's pray, let's pray. Let's pray.